I'm going to go back to Lazarus this morning. Is that okay? Right? I'm not really going to re-preach the message, but last week, uh, time got a little bit crazy and out of hand and whatnot, and so I kind of condensed my message really super quick, and, I, and I'm impressed by those of you who noticed, right? There was a lot of you who texted me this week and said, you didn't preach all that, did you? And Olivia reached out and she said, you had so much more and you need to preach it and, and different things and, and so forth. So uh, I know Chris and I were talking earlier in the week and he's like, man, I don't think there's any problem at all if you go back and get what you didn't share. So uh, we're going to be back in Lazarus. As I, was, as I was working on it last night, we might actually be there for two or three weeks because uh, there's a whole lot in this scripture uh, and there's a whole lot in this setting that I think a lot of times when we're preaching about Lazarus and raising him from the dead and loosing him and letting him go that we don't really unpack in, in this scripture. So we're going to do a little bit of that this morning, if that's okay with you. Um, chap- John chapter 11, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Martha which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. Now, notice this is Jesus talking to himself. Right? This isn't Jesus making a declaration to the disciples. This isn't Jesus saying anything to anyone. This is Jesus talking to himself, but yet through his disciples, it was shared with us. He was reasoning to himself that this sickness is about more than the sickness. It's about more than death. It's about more than what we see and hear. And he said, it is for the glory of God. Amen? Now, there are things that come to us in this life, and there are things that are around us in this life. And if we're not careful, we can be so focused on the sickness. We can be so focused on the things that come. Amen? I can't imagine what it's like to sit on the other side of a doctor's desk and hear the word cancer. I can't fathom that. And and the fright that, that would come and accompany that. But if you notice, Jesus didn't give glory to the sickness. Jesus didn't give glory and he didn't empower the illness. Jesus empowered God's presence and God's ability to work in that moment so that in the end God would be lifted up and that he would be glorified. Amen? And unfortunately, I think we have become so estranged to this idea and this concept of God being all in all, God being our greatest need, God being the one who will deliver us our time of need, amen, that he and I are a majority against all of the enemy when we choose to come together in his name, that I think too many times we give in to the fear and we give in to the fright and we give in to the circumstances around us, amen? Now, it doesn't mean that the situations and circumstances aren't real, right? In no way I'm saying that they're not real. In no way am I saying that they don't pose a threat. But sometimes by giving them power, we make them a bigger threat. Sometimes by focusing on them and allowing them to control us and control our lives, we make them into something more than God ever intended them to be. God is looking to us 
to seek him and to seek his glory and to seek his power over everything that we say and do. Amen? And when we do that, we find that the glory of God is found is found in us. And so he gives us that example. And it goes on in verse 5 to say, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after, he saith to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Right? You can see from the beginning, Jesus is chill. He was chill, Bethany. He was chill. Right? I love Martha. I love Mary. I love Lazarus. But I'm just going to hang out for a couple more days. Why? Because he had already declared the glory of the Lord over the situation. He had already found his trust and found his faith and found his power in the glory of the Lord. Amen? And it goes on. His disciples say, say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou thither again? You see, the, the disciples are, are worried about the circumstances. They're worried about the situation. They're worried about what might happen to them if they go back. Jesus only concerned with the glory of God. Right? Knowing that nothing can touch him unless it be God's will. Knowing that nothing... Ha- and when he stood in front of Herod, what did he say? You have no power unless what? It be given thee. Amen? And friend, we, we live a life that we serve the risen king of this life. We serve the God who created the heavens and the God who created the earth. We serve the one who hung the stars into existence. We serve the one who knows the number of hairs on your head. I always have to slow down when I say that because so often I've said he knows the number of heads on your hair. And that doesn't work quite so well, Right? But think about a God that knows you in that detail. Think about a God who doesn't just sift through his day as if you're not important. Think about a God who literally knows the number of hairs on your head. We're not talking about a deity that looks to glorify himself. We're not talking about a deity that that looks to find find some kind of, uh, of pleasure in his own place, but he is so attentive to every single one of us in every single one of our circumstances and days that he is so involved in us that he knows that fact. Any of you know the number of hairs on your head? Unless you're bald, right? Right? That's easy. But unless, but if not, God knows more about you than you know about you, Right? God knows more about you than you know about you. God is involved in your situations and circumstances more than you're involved in your situations and circumstances. But unfortunately, so many times we take the power from him. Do we not? So many times we step in and, and whether it's worry, whether it's fear, whether it's, whether it's angst, right? Whether it's this is what I want. No matter what, this is the way it's going to be, guys. Amen. Yeah, okay. I'm getting some evil stares from the women right now. But sometimes we are so possessed with what we want, and we are so possessed with it, anything that derails what we want, 
we stand in opposition against that and, and it overwhelms us. And it, we, can't, we can't handle it. And we have to try to control it. And we have to force it instead of just trusting God to let his glory have its way. Amen? And because of that, because of that, so often we find ourselves estranged from God's will. We find ourselves thinking we're doing the right thing for ourselves, thinking we're doing the right thing for our family, thinking we're doing the right thing for the community, thinking we're doing the right thing for this or that and the other, and all of a sudden we find ourselves, hey, I'm all the way over here by myself, and wow, God's like over there doing really cool stuff. How did I end up here, Right? And what God is showing us in this moment is something as powerful. Someone he loved deeply was sick, and he could have been there and stopped it. But he chose to hang out a couple more days. And then he chose to travel there, right? And according to the sister's report, four more days he had been in the tomb, right? So potentially six days had went by from the time Jesus received the notice that Lazarus was sick. But yet he says, it's for the glory of God. Let me, listen, let me share this with you. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? And if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that, he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Jesus, being the, the crafty wordsman um, that he is, I always get tickled. There's this one part in, in The Chosen where he's preparing the Sermon on the Mount. And, and it's really a, a good scene, uh, you know, and, and how, he, how he goes and prays and supplicates with the Lord. And, and then he comes back and he works with Matthew to, to put the right wording together. And, you know, he, he even gets, you know, asks Matthew, you know, what do you think? How does that come across? And everything else. And, and there's this one place when, when Matthew says to him, well, why don't you just say that? And, and Jesus responds to him and says, can I be a little bit of a poet? Right? And, and, okay, that's not scripture, and I'm not trying to say it's scripture. But I think sometimes what we find is Jesus is saying things to us far deeper than what the words would say. Far deeper than what the black and white speaks. Jesus is speaking to us on a whole different level. He talks to them about the light and the darkness, and he's telling them that we need to operate in the light. We need to think in the light. We need to dwell on the light. Because if we dwell and if we walk and if we operate in the darkness around us, we will falter. We will fail. We will stumble. And so he said from the beginning, this is for the glory of God. Where is Jesus? Jesus is in the light. As he is the light. Jesus is walking and thinking and operating where God is. The disciples, by their response, show that they're operating in darkness because they have not yet stepped into the light where they see and they hear and they understand what it is God is doing. And so this is a teaching moment 
for Jesus and he is teaching them to step out of, of this world, to step out of the light of this world and to step in to the glory of the Lord. Amen? And then it goes on to say, he goes on to say this. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, surely he does well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Now stop right there for a minute. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Wow. It's a heavy word from Jesus, isn't it? Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there. Lazarus died, and I'm glad I didn't heal him. Lazarus is dead, and I stayed here. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that he is. That's harsh. That's harsh. That's kind of like, whoa. You know, I, I can't imagine if I was a disciple sitting there and Jesus throws this down, I'm being like, dude, is this really Jesus? I mean, you know, this isn't the loving, compassionate, I want to help everyone, Savior that we know. He's actually glad that he wasn't there to do something about Lazarus dying. I don't get it. But there's this little phrase, for your sakes for your sakes he didn't say i'm glad for martha mary's sake or i'm glad for lazarus's sake and let's understand this jesus said i'm glad i wasn't there he didn't even hint at healing him amen which shows that he had full control over death from the beginning he had full control over death's ability to take his life at no time did death precede him in being able to show power over what he allowed and what he gave. Jesus simply said, if I'd been there, he'd be alive. If I had been there, death wouldn't have come. If I had been there, Lazarus wouldn't be in the tomb. Oh, death. Where is thy victory, O grave? Where is thy sting? I said that backwards. O grave, where is thy sting? My limit is here. Um, so what we find is that we find that not only does Jesus declare God's glory, but Jesus declares his power over death in this moment. In his conversation with his disciples, he makes it very plain to them. He makes it very plain to, to those watching. And he makes it very plain to us today if we delve into this and unpack it that he is saying to us that I control death. It's not allowed to do what it does without me. Right? Now, so many of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, then... Why does this person die? Why does that person die? Why does this car accident happen? Why does this car accident happen? Why does, why does this situation happen? Why does this situation happen? And, and so on. 
we have to understand that God has a plan. And we have to understand that sometimes his plan doesn't make sense to us, but his plan always makes sense to what he's doing and when he's doing it. Amen? But there is also a call to us to the power of God and his glory that we might start ministering life. That we might start ministering life to the dead. And when we think about a house of miracles, which was our emphasis last week and which was our point last week, and I don't want you to lose sight of that because of anything else, but I want us to focus on this idea and for us to step into that idea. We have to be in a place and we have to be in a mindset and we have to be in, in a heart that is in one accord that says, We are going to operate in life. We are going to operate in light. And we are going to allow the power and the glory of God to manifest itself here. Here. Right? Because there's a whole lot of sick around us. Whether it's alcoholism, whether it's drugs, whether it's pornography, whether it's this sin or that sin. And we could, you've heard me say a million times, we can list all day long. And that's not even touching the physical ailments around us, the physical disabilities around us, and those things that God is certainly capable of healing. All around us, there are sick, and all around us are those who we write off as dead. Right? When you see a drug addict walking around Dollar General, how do you respond? Just me? Huh? You see an alcoholic begging for a dollar. How do you respond? Oh, and I'm going to get stopped at the light, and they're going to stick in my window the whole time. Right? Just me? Hmm? That's the dead. That's the dead. That's the sick. And what are we going to minister in return? Are we going to minister light? Are we going to minister life? Huh? Or are we going to return darkness for darkness? Hmm? God is inviting us to a place of glory, his glory, where he exists, where he operates, where he thinks, where he does the things above and beyond what we comprehend in this life. And he is inviting us as a body of believers to where he is that we might think like he does and we might respond like he does and we might operate life in the community. Not death. If the church was to ever stop returning death for death, we might see the glory of God manifest itself in this place. Amen? So we need to quit ministering death. And we need to start ministering life. We need to start looking to God. And we need to start seeing these people as sons and daughters like Jesus does. Seeing these people as someone that he crafted in the womb for a purpose like Jesus does. But if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be a lot like the disciples and we'll be a lot like these others. And we'll just be like, ah, they're all right. Not my problem. Not my worry. You know, God will deal with it. Amen. I shared with you a few weeks ago that, that we had, um, that, that I got a, 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 accosted, for lack of better words, got approached 
by a homeless person at my office. Our office kind of sets up on stilts. And if you didn't hear that, the short story is when I came out the back door of, of our stairwell and walked over to my truck, there was this, this homeless guy walking down the parking lot. And um, he was uttering something. And they're there a lot because the Methodist church, just a couple blocks over, feeds them at 6 o'clock. So we're kind of used to them being around as we leave in the evenings. And... Um, I had ran down to, to give our cell phones to Sam because she was taking them over when I busted my phone and that whole ordeal. And um, this guy started yelling at me. And at first I just kind of ignored him and, and went about my business because I didn't realize he was directing at me. But, but then it got louder and he was getting closer and I turned and I looked and he was yelling, like, give me your keys, give me your keys. And, and he was yelling this at me. I was just like, you need to go. And he, he just kept yelling, give me your keys. And at one point, he, he threatened to cut me, and I'd already assessed him, and I wasn't too worried about the situation and, and so forth. But, but he was yelling at me to give, give me my keys. Well, what if he was asking for more keys than just the keys to my truck? What if, what if he was asking me for the keys to life? What if he was asking me for the keys to unlock him from his prison and the keys to unlock him from where he was? And I just ignored him and let him go. And I remember saying to a few of you, and I said to John, I said, you know, I said, I wish I had my wits about me, but I was at work. I was trying to deal with his cell phone issue, and I had all these things going on. I wish I would have just cast him out. You know, once I had a, a second to reflect on it and bring myself back to the glory of God, I wish I had just cast him out. And seen him clothed and in his right mind like legion. And I beat myself up, Sandy, because I didn't. I, all the way home that evening, I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, man, what an opportunity God gave me. What, what a moment God gave me. I am preaching, and I am putting forth this idea of a house of miracles, and right there I was, and I let it go. And I was sharing this with, with a couple of our intercessors and a couple of pastor friends and everything else, and finally one of them spoke up and said, who's to say you didn't? What did you say you said to him? I said, I said, you need to go. I said, were you talking to him or were you talking to the demons in him? I was like, huh. And then she looked at me and she goes, when's the last time you've seen him? I said, I haven't seen him since that day. And she said, who's to say then God didn't do something that you're unaware of? I don't know if that's true or not. I can't prove that. But what I do think it brings us to is it brings us to this idea that we can operate on a different level. I could have operated in a different place, in a different mindset in that moment. And instead of worrying about what he was saying and doing and telling him to go away, I could have been more worried about what was going on inside of him and telling it to go away. Amen. Amen. And when we want to see God ordained in the miracles of this life, and we want to see people set free from the things that hold them and the things that bind them, it takes a work of Jesus Christ. It doesn't take a work of Jay Mason. It doesn't take a work of the Paul Swinfield, but it takes a work of Jesus Christ. And so if we want to truly see miracles, and if we want to truly see God move on God levels, amen, I'm not talking about just chill bumps. Y'all wait listening to me? Let me turn the light on back there. Hmm. 
I'm not just talking about a chill bump religion, but I'm talking about operating on God's level, a prayer and fasting and supplication momentum that takes us to where God is, thinks like God thinks, and does the things that God does for the purpose of setting people free. He promised that what we would bind would be bound, and he promised that what we would loose would be set free through the name of Jesus Christ. And church, it's, it's time that we rise up, and it's time that we allow his authority to operate in these lands, to operate in this community, to set free our family and to set free our friends and to set free those around us that need delivered from this hold of sin and this hold of darkness on their life. And we're called to that. We're called to this moment. And if we think for a minute, that all of these miracles, right? You, you all know the miracles. We've shared them again and again. I know the worship team knows, knows the miracles. We've seen God move in mighty ways to make this place happen. Ways that at, at the beginning didn't look possible. You do not know the hours I spent in agony prayer and weeping, knowing that it was going to take a move of God. You don't know how many times I felt like Moses standing at the Red Sea with no options, but begging for the salvation of the Lord to move itself and knowing that God would not bring us to this place and ignore us. And always right on time he moved and always right on time he delivered and always right on time he put into our hands what was needed. Exactly what was needed. Not more, not less. And if you think he did all of that just so we'd feel good and not because he has purpose, then you're mistaken. For him to move on those levels, he has a purpose. He has a plan. And for us to see that plan come to fruition, we must step from here to there. And we must see the glory of the Lord manifest itself in, our, in, in each other. In each other. Not just me. Amen. Yeah, pray for me, supplicate for me, amen. I, I, I need it, I want it, amen. But I need to pray and supplicate for you and you need to pray and supplicate for the person beside you. And friend, listen, if you're not praying and supplicating for the people in your household, then don't even think about praying and supplicating for me, amen, because that's what you're called first to. You don't do me any good if you're not being the husband you're supposed to be. You're not doing me any good if you're not the wife you're supposed to be. You're not doing me any good if you're not the parent you're supposed to be. And you're certainly not doing this community any good either. So be set free. Be loose. Become what God has called. And see yourself step into his glory. See yourself step into his glory. This is what Jesus said. I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. And then he tells us why. To the intent you may believe. I'm glad I wasn't there 
so you will get to see me on another level. I am glad I wasn't there so you will start thinking on another level. I'm glad Lazarus died so you can see me operate in the resurrection and know that that power is in my hand. And if it's in my hand, I give it under your hands so you can start setting the nations free. He is calling us here in this moment to see bigger and greater than we do. And he is calling us in this moment to see the Lazaruses and the Marthas and the Marys different than we see them when we walked in here today. And seeing them as those who are bound and need loosed. And calling us to a place where we can do the loosen. Right? where we can do the setting free, when we can do the casting out, and where we can bring the power and the glory of God into this place and into this community and into the lives who so need him. Amen. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. And isn't that how we live sometimes? Huh? I want Jesus. I love Jesus. And if he's going to go there, I'll go die with him. Amen? But we didn't hear a word he said. He didn't say he was going there to die. He never spoke of his death in that moment. He said, let us go that we might what? Awaken him. Let us go that we might bring the what? Glory of God. Let us go that we might usher in a level of spirituality that escapes what man sees and what man thinks. Amen? Now, kudos to Thomas for having the guts to say, let us go die with him, right? And, and I, I like to give Thomas those props because often we're like doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. You know, when everyone else was freaking out, Thomas was the one who said, well, we'll go and die with him. At least he was there. But I think if, if he'd have looked a little deeper and looked a little bit further, and we know that he did later on because of his testimony and his martyrdom, but if he would have looked a little bit deeper and a little bit further in that moment, he would have realized we're not going to die. We're going to bring life. We're going to bring life. Amen? And friends, if we're going to be a house of miracles, when we walk out these doors, we walk out these doors with the purpose and the mindset of bringing life to those that we come in contact with every day, bringing hope, bringing deliverance, setting them free from this life and everything that we say and do. Kylie, if it can happen in the middle of Dollar General, amen, it can happen anywhere, right? We need to usher life to the whosoever wills of this world. We need to usher the glory of God to the whosoever wills of this life. We need to operate on a different level. We need to bring ourselves through prayer, fasting, supplication, Bible reading, to the very place 
where God is so that he may operate through us much like Jesus to where death has no control. Death does not have the final say and it does not have the final answer unless God allows it to be so. Amen? Especially spiritual death. Especially spiritual death. We can't always, we can't always determine physical death. He holds that in his hand. But we can help determine spiritual death. We can help determine where someone sees and how someone responds to Jesus Christ and how set free they really are. And it has everything to do with how set free we are. Amen? You bind yourself with silly stuff, don't expect to be able to walk out and bind a demon bigger than you. Amen? You bind yourself with, with garbage and you bind yourself with stupidity. Don't expect to walk out there and confront the enemy in the spirit and win because you'll lose miserably. Amen? We're talking about the glory of God. We're not talking about the glory of Jay. Amen? We're not talking about the glory of TJ. Amen? We're not talking about the glory of Grant. Amen? We're talking about the glory of God. If we're going to win these battles... We must carry that with us. We must carry the glory of God with us. Amen? Because we won't do it on our own. We won't do it in our own abilities, our own beings, even our own knowledge. Amen? Our wisdom is folly. <laughs> Every time I read that verse or think about that verse, I think about that. Our wisdom is folly before the Lord. Amen? So we're not going to win of our own accord. but We win in the glory of the Lord. That's what Jesus declared. This is for the glory of God. Amen? Everything we've done, every staple in these, in these drop cloths, every, every wiping of these chairs, every sweeping of these floors, every drop of paint on the wall and on the floor. I'm just talking about me and Sam, not the rest of you. Amen? Every floorboard, every cinder block knocked down, Everything that we've done for the glory of the Lord. So that he might be felt. So that he might be experienced. And that lives would be changed because of it. That is why we're here. That is how this becomes a house of miracles. It doesn't become a house of miracles because I put a hashtag on every post. Right? No. No, that, what that is, is that's telling the community we want to serve you. That is telling the community that we want to be involved in your life. We want to know where your problems are. We want to know where your problems are, and we want to deliver you from them. Amen? That's what that's for. But for me and you, it's about coming into his presence, and it's about coming into his glory and bringing ourselves to a place where we expect his power where we expect his glory, where we expect his promises. Amen? Because we're living nowhere else. Amen? We can't live with a million different crazy thoughts in our head and pound our fist and declare the glory of the Lord. We've got to live in the glory of the Lord. And when we do, we will start seeing the glory of the Lord manifest itself and those around us. So Jesus was glad. 
Lazarus died. So that we might step in to resurrection power. So that we might step into the understanding of the depth and the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that we would begin to believe on those levels more than the levels we operate on today. Amen.